Well, it delights me to be able to stand before you and share God's word. And it delights me that we got so many Arkies in the house. Amen. I feel like I'm at home. Arkansas's in the house. How many Arkies we got? Lift your hand. Oh, my goodness. Amen. I feel right at home. Brother Steve, do you need a little extended therapy? Keep holding up them hook em horn signs. Turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 for our thoughts this morning. And I want to begin, I'll read the text in a moment, but I want to begin with profound statements. There's a lot of profound statements in the Word of God. Amen? There's profound statements, uh, a couple of them. Uh, the profound statement that uh, Peter made when Jesus asked, Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus on the cross, one of the profound statements that he made on the cross was, It is finished. And then when it comes to a passage of Scripture, in 1 Thessalonians 4, took me a second, as you finish the chapter, Paul is teaching the Thessalonians about the rapture, the church being called up to meet him in the clouds. And that's a profound statement, and I want you to understand, the king is coming, and we are going, those of us that know the Lord. But the question is, do you know the Lord, and are you ready? I pray you are. Now, with that said, let's get into our text. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you and thank you again for this time given us. Thank you for allowing us to assemble to worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, Lord, as I stand and as we break the bread of life, please bless it, Lord, and let your word speak to hearts this morning. May your children be fed from your table with your word. And Lord, may your word deal with hearts, those that might not know you. And Lord, let me say those things in clarity that all might be able to understand and Lord, let me preach with boldness and authority your truths. We thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you went to the cross for us. And praise God, you're coming back one day for us. So Lord, just bless the rest of the service and may everything said and done honor and glorify you. And please, dear God, these requests, spoken and unspoken and written down, you know the needs. We just pray that your will be done. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Real quick, there's several that are out of town. I know that Sister Ginger and Sister Natalie went to a wedding. Pray for them. 
Uh, it's good to have Brother Bob back. He was out of town, but he's back with us. There's several that are ill. Uh, the Millers, we want to lift them up. Uh, Brother Don is in a uh, group home now. He's not in a rehabilitation center, but he's in hospice. So remember Brother Don Miller when you pray. And then, of course, Sister Jean. Uh, she's not in best of health, and she's by herself, so we want to remember her. So there's always someone to pray for. Y'all believe that? Yeah. Always. Now, let's get to the crux of what we've just read. Apostle Paul has taught the children of Israel about the rapture, the being caught up to meet him in the clouds. And of course, I love that last verse in chapter 4. Comfort one another with these words. But evidently, when Paul left and Timothy went to be with the people, there were still some of the Thessalonican believers that didn't quite grasp between the rapture and the day of the Lord. Now understand, the day of the Lord is mentioned 19 times in the Old Testament alone. And for the sake of time, we're not going to go all over, but I'll tell you, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Malachi, the day of the Lord's there. In the New Testament, it's mentioned four times. Acts, 1 Thessalonians, that we just read, verse 2 of chapter 5, 2 Thessalonians, and first, no, Second Peter, chapter 3 and verse 10. The day of the Lord. You say, well, preacher, what is the day of the Lord? Well, the day of the Lord is not the rapture. The rapture will take place one day, and by the way, it could be imminently done today, or tomorrow, or next year, or 10,000 years from now, because we don't know the hour or the day. But we know he's coming. And we are to just understand that one day he's promised to come back. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So understand, that's the rapture. But the day of the Lord is when he pours out his wrath during the tribulation on those that are unsaved and left behind when the church is taken out. That's the day of the Lord. How many of you have loved ones that might face that time? If he returns in our lifetime, our lost loved ones are going to take part in the day of the Lord when God pours out his wrath. But now, Timothy comes back and addresses this with the Apostle Paul, and Paul goes back to the Thessalonians, and he addresses the day of the Lord, so they get it. He's already addressed the rapture. You say, well, the rapture's not in the Bible, but the calling up is. Rapture's just a word we use for that. No. You'll not find rapture, R-A-P-T-U-R-E. I think that's what they taught me at Lake Hamilton. You won't find that. But there's going to be a calling away, a caught up for us. So with that said, notice what he says in verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, 
you have no need that I write unto you. But of the times and the seasons, you have no need that I write unto you. Would you not say, especially since all of this has been going on with Israel and Hamas, have you noticed lots of people on the internet and even the news and all, they're talking about the Lord coming back. Now understand, they're looking for signs. They're looking for seasons. They're looking for times. But beloved, Paul's saying, why are you looking for that? No one knows the hour or the day. Why are you wasting your time? And by the way, that word uh, time from the Greek word, if I'm not mistaken, you'll have to help me there, brother. If I'm not mistaken, it means chronos. And we're talking about chronological time. You see, everybody's trying to put a date. But the Bible says that we don't know that date. And the same thing with signs. Oh, look at that sign they're attacking. I've, I've heard even preachers that's supposed to know the Word of God say, oh, this is fulfillment, the prophecy that there's going to be, they're going to be raided from the north. Listen, he ain't talking about Lebanon there. It's going to be Russia. Amen? But they're saying, oh, it's, it's a sign. Again, those seasons... That, if I'm not mistaken, is also a Greek word. And I think it means, I think it's pronounced chronos. No, that's wrong. K-something. Thank you. Who said that? Thank you. Kairos. No, not Kairos syrup. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I like Kairos syrup on my pancakes. But no, Kairos. And what that means is an era, a time. You see, I'm good at definitions, Brother Ciro. It's just some words I can't pronounce. And I can't remember anymore the older I get. But my point is this, they're looking for signs. And Paul says, I don't need to even write unto you. I've already taught this, you ought to get it. If you're a child of God, you ought to get that the Lord is going to come back. We don't know when, but we are to be anticipating His return. And we should be living in a manner that, you know what? He could come at any moment. How many of you woke up this morning and said, Hey, this is the day the Lord come back? Nobody? Wow. Y'all are really anticipating, ain't you? Folks, He's coming. This could be the day. This might be the last sermon I ever preach. Because I'm going to get to go to heaven. And uh, by the way, our work as preachers will be done. Because the preacher, the teacher, will be handling it in eternity. Amen? Think about that for a second. <laughs> Maybe I will retire. When I get there. When I get there, don't look at me. She say, no, you got to preach till you're 100 years old. Anyways, notice what he says. 
But other times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a, as a thief in the night. Did y'all get that? Here we are trying to figure out when is the Lord coming back? Is it according to this sign? Is it according to this season? Is it according to this time? And he says, no, he is going to come back as a thief in the night. He is going to come back, one, when it's his time, and two, no one's going to be expecting it. He'll come as a thief in the night. That doesn't mean, well, I don't know when he's coming, so I'm going to live any old way I want to. No. You need to live in anticipation that this could be the day. As a thief in the night. So many people, especially I'm talking about the lost, are so unconcerned concerning Christ and his coming back. They don't even consider it. They're happy the way things are, and they're not anticipating. They want things to just continue as they are. But understand the word of God says that the day of the Lord is coming. Do you all believe that? Is he going to pour out his wrath? Absolutely. Now look at the next verse. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And notice the last part of that verse. And they shall not escape. Did y'all get that? No escape. We're not talking about the saved. We're out of here. But for those that are left to go through the tribulation, when God pours out his wrath the day of the Lord, there will be no escape. You say, well, how do you know? Well, we've had a wonderful teacher teaching us the book of Revelation. And we were over in chapter 6. Turn your Bibles over there. Revelation chapter 6. Verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. Even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she's shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Verse 15 And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, every freeman, hid themselves in the dens. And in the rocks of the mountains and set into the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne 
and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Let me tell you, those that are left to go through of the day of the Lord when he pours out his wrath, they are going to cry out for the rocks to cover them. They are going to try to hide. They're going to try to escape. But there is no hiding. There is no escape. You will face the wrath of God. Amen. Thank God we don't have to. We, those of us that have been redeemed, have been delivered from the wrath to come. I'll get in trouble. But for some of you post-tribbers and mid-tribbers, hooey-fooey. If he says we've been delivered from the wrath to come, what does he mean there? It means we'll not face the tribulation. The church is not going through the tribulation. I know there's several that probably want to argue with me. I'm not going to argue. I'm right. Why am I right? Because God's word says it. So, you mean you believe God's word? Every letter. Every word. Every period, comma, everything is right. What does the word tell us? Let God be true and every man what? A liar. God's always going to be true. Now, go back to our text. No escape. Literally calling for the rocks and mountains to cover them so that they might escape, but there's no escape. And then he says in verse 4, but ye, brethren. Who's he talking to? Paul's addressing the Thessalonians. We know that, but who's he talking to? He's talking to those that know Jesus as their personal Savior. But ye, brethren, are you a brethren? <laughs> are you a sister? You thought I was going to say sister, didn't you? No. Believers. Believers. He says, but ye brethren are not in darkness. You see, the apostle Paul spent several years there in Thessalonica teaching them God's word. Now what I mean by that is I know the Bible wasn't completed at that time. But through the Holy Spirit, Paul taught them. What God wanted them to know. So they weren't in darkness. And beloved, as brethren, as believers, we shouldn't be in darkness either. If you have the word of God, there is no excuse that you should be in darkness and not understand what's going to take place. No excuse. Not only do we have the Bible, we are indwelt at the moment of conversion with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit guides and directs and teaches us. 
as we study the word and verify thus saith the Lord. So, brethren, those of you that are saved, you shouldn't be in darkness because you've got the word and you've got the Holy Spirit. And notice what he says. He says, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day would overtake you as a thief. How many of you believe the <laughs> Lord's coming back? We all agree. How many of you believe when we stand before him we're going to be trying to make an excuse why we were overtaken? I told you, it's going to be at any moment. Be alert, be ready. There's no excuse. But we're Baptists, so that means we're going to have all kinds of excuses. Amen. Well, Lord, I did not know you were coming back today. I'm sorry I was at the lake. Lord, I didn't know you was coming back. I'm sorry I was in the deer woods. Lord, I didn't know you were coming back. I'm sorry I was at the game. He said, did I not tell you? As a thief in the night. When I come, you're not going to know until I call you up. Understand, we should be alert, right? We should be watching. He says, but ye brethren are not in darkness that you should... That day should overtake you. Ye are the children of light. Did y'all get that? You're the children of light. And that light he's talking about is him, Christ. We are children of light. We should know the scriptures. We should know what the word of God tells us. Now, I will say this. I'm a child of the light. You're a child of the light if you're saved. And I'm pretty sure you'll agree with what I'm fixing to stay, say. I don't understand everything about God and his person. Don't do it. Don't know it all. I don't understand the what ifs and what fors and Believe it or not, I know y'all are shocked, but I don't understand all of this. I know the Lord shows me things when he thinks I can handle it. But I don't understand everything. But I know this. I understand that he loves me, that he died for me. And he's coming back for me. And if I understand those three things and you understand those three things, we're going to make it. We're going to be okay. Amen. And then he says, therefore, I'm sorry, ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. 
Why? Because the Lord has revealed himself to us by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Now, I've never visibly seen Jesus at any time with my eyes, and they're not the best. But I'm here to tell you, when I pick up the Word of God, I see him just as clearly as if he was right in front of my face right now. Because he is real. There are many that claim, you know, that's kind of what I liked about that profound statement that Peter made. You know, Jesus asked, first of all, who do men say that I am? And of course they begin to say, well, some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah the prophet or one of the prophets. And then Jesus pretty much put the rubber to the road when he said, but who do you guys, his children, his disciples, who do you say I am? The only one that can answer that is you and myself individually. Who do you say he is? I was channel surfing the other day, and <laughs> you got to be careful, because there's some idiots out there. One of them just so happened to be a Jehovah Witness. And I thought, okay, I'm going to stop. I know better, but I'll stop. I'll listen to their nonsense. And it was nonsense, and it was just for a second. This guy had the audacity to say that Jesus was Michael the Archangel. Uh, sorry, Michael the Archangel is the defender of Israel, but he's an angel. Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. Jesus is God. He's not an angel. I went, ploop. And then, you know, curiosity kills the cat. Now I come across a Mormon. He's teaching. I said, oh, well, let's, I listened to him. Might as well see what he's going to say. You know what he said? First of all, Jesus and Satan are brothers. Hooey fooey. Second of all, he said that the marriage in Cana was Jesus being married to Mary and Martha, and they had children. <laughs> Click! I turned that off. Now, you know, you would think two times it's time to just stop. Brother Ciro, it's <laughs> And then I come across, I don't even know what you call them, but they're Hindus. And this goofy guy, I don't know if he's whatever they're called, Alibaba, whatever. He said that there, Jesus is one of millions 
of God. Third time with the stride, I just said, no, that's it. Lord, forgive me for being silly enough to waste my time. But this is what bothers me. I don't know how many people tuned in and listened to that stuff. But get this. That's why it's important we as children of light who have the gospel, that's why you and I are supposed to share and warn them that there is coming a day of the Lord. We need to be alert. We need to be awake, not sleeping. Because people are tuning in and hearing all of this nonsense that's not gospel. And when they draw that last breath, it's too late. And if they do manage to stay alive when the Lord takes the church out, they're going to face His wrath. The day of the Lord. Now... How long is the tribulation? It's seven years. The first half of the tribulation, yes, God will pour out his wrath. But great tribulation isn't till the second part of that seven-year period, the last three and a half years. But listen to me. When he pours out his great wrath, it's going to be as if you couldn't make this stuff up in Hollywood. How bad it's truly going to be. After the great tribulation, after the seven years, what is going to happen? Jesus, the first time the rapture is in the clouds. The second time he comes back to the Mount of Olives. He literally steps down on earth and it will enter into the millennial reign of Christ that's 1,000 years that he'll call the shots he'll rule and reign in power and glory and magnificence but listen those of us that are brethren those of us that are in the light of Christ, we don't have to worry about the day of the Lord. It's those that don't know him. That's why we better share Christ. Because there's coming a time it'll be done. We'll not have any more opportunities. So, how many of you believe the king is coming? Amen. How many of you are ready to go home? If you can't raise your hand, or you're not sure, amen, thank you, Brandon. If you're not sure, then I would urge you this morning, get things right. Because he's coming. There's going to be a great day of the Lord. 
But thank God, I don't have to worry about that wrath. You know why? Because Jesus faced that wrath for me and you on the cross. God literally poured out his wrath upon his only begotten son. So that you and I could be reconciled to God. So, if there's any questions about where you stand with God, are you saved? Let's get it settled here and now. Amen?